0: Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneur Mind Speak. I'm Lauren with Kremt Branding and Packaging Design Agency, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie.
1: Hi, I'm Natalie, founder of Cloud Create Web Development based in Tampa
0: Bay, Florida. And today we would like to welcome Rob Shaw. Rob, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, like what led you to get started in the supplement industry?
2: Uh, I'll wrap the story up pretty quick. It's a lengthy, but um, uh, way back in about 95, I had a bad accident. I had a three ounce blood clot on my brain that needed to be removed. Um, wow. Unfortunately, uh, while they were removing the blood clot on my brain, I passed away and Somehow came back, I was sent back.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> um,
2: so uh-huh. my memory, after I came out of my coma, my memory was uh, really distorted. I had what was called island memory. And my cognitive faculty were, was okay, but the memory wasn't quite up to par. And I remember watching a spokesperson on TV talking about ginkgo biloba. And so I decided to go buy a bottle of the ginkgo biloba and, okay, I'll give it a try. It can't hurt. And I would say after about a month or so, I might have noticed a, a slight increase in some, some things coming back. So I went and I bought another bottle at another local health food store. And then I started studying the herbs and learning about it. And I saw that it seemed to be helping my memory. So when I went back again for another bottle, the lady was having a problem making a sale to the customer. And I wound up selling the guy $160 worth of herbal supplements. And, uh, and I, I had just got into college at the time. And she said, wow, would you like to work here? And I said, okay, yeah, cool. Let's go. And uh, about uh, five years later, I bought that store. And then about a year later, I bought another store of the same franchise, And then about a year year later, I bought another store of the same franchise and I had three stores at one time and everything was great until the Great Recession hit us in 2007. So I uh, sold my stores and I moved to Las Vegas and I worked at a local health food store as a manager there and didn't like the direction where he was going. So about two years later, I bought another health food store in Las Vegas Ran that store for about five years until Amazon started aggressively coming after people with their predatory pricing on supplements and they were putting me out of business. So I sold my store as quick as I could. And about six months later, I got offered a position at NASCO in Las Vegas as a a chief operating officer. Long story short, I moved to Los Angeles, worked for a import distribution company for about three or four months didn't work out. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to start my own company. And that was five years ago. And here we are today.
1: That is amazing. And would you say the last five years have been the the more exciting of all of that?
2: I would say in the last five years, this has been the most successful point of my life.
1: What are some common challenges that entrepreneurs face when sourcing supplement ingredients and how can they overcome these challenges? This is for our viewers that might be needing help with that.
2: One of the things you want to make sure is that you're you're dealing with reputable companies. Um, When you're sourcing ingredients, you have to make sure that you understand all of the certifications and what to look for in, in, in the certificates of analysis and the material safety data sheets. You need to be able to understand all the bacteria counts and the heavy metal counts and understand the difference between HPLC and UV testing because a lot of people get confused and they they just see a word on there and they think oh this is what i'm looking for and then they wonder why one company's price is two dollars a kilogram and the other company's price is 10. well mm-hmm. when you break that uh, certificate of analysis down and you start analyzing it and you see that it has a higher bacteria count that has a higher moisture count uh, or it has a higher uh, heavy metal count then you start to understand why Uh, the pricing plays a a very key role in it. And you need to be able to understand what that means before you start making these purchases.
1: Wow. That sounds a lot more serious than that somebody might think, you know, just glossing over the subject.
2: And it is. And um, if if you want to have a a reputable company and you want to build a reputable company, it all starts with a uh, reputable uh, ingredient and reputable distribution. And I tell people, hey, look, now foods and sogar foods didn't become the best sellers because they have the lowest prices. And uh, and that's what's so important. I, I tell a lot of my clients that, hey, look, don't be so con- uh, conscious of the cost, more so be conscious of the quality mm-hmm. because a customer is gonna want, a real customer that really wants to benefit they're more concerned with the quality of what they're getting out of the product and how much it's going to cost them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good point. And are there like specific certifications that entrepreneurs should be aware of when it comes to sourcing their supplement ingredients?
2: Well, a lot of times, you know, you want to look at, uh, do do they have, does the manufacturer have a HACCP plan? Uh, Does the manufacturer have uh, ISO certifications? Uh, Does the manufacturer have an FDA registration number? All of these things play a key role because then it's letting you know that the manufacturer is playing by the book and is playing by the rules. And that's my job where I come in to make sure that, hey, there is ISO certification. There is a HACCP plan involved. Um, There are these type of documentation. And there's a, a, a list of it that shows you that these companies are following the guidelines In order to be able to sell to your company, so you can at least claim uh, CGMP on your product.
0: As an entrepreneur, if they came to you, do they need to ask you about um, what did you call it? The ISO
2: certificates? -certificates. Uh,
0: They they
1: can.
2: can Uh,
0: Or is it just safe for them to say, like, okay, if they're FDA certified and if they're you know, CGMP certified, then it's okay.
2: Okay. So actually let's clarify. It's not really going to be an FDA certification. Uh, they're certified the FDA is going to say, Hey, we certify this company. Uh, uh-huh. You're just registered with the FDA. Guess, so yeah. at, at basically you're uh, saying, Hey, at any time the FDA wants to come in and inspect my facilities, they can. And, and this way it gives people a, a peace of mind that, you know, you're not, hiding anything or trying to do something to get ahead because you're basically being transparent for the FDA. So that's the most important part when you're when you are an FDA registered company is that you're being transparent where you're not hiding anything and you can come take a look if you want to.
0: As an entrepreneur, the things that they should worry about are if the company is FDA registered And if it's, uh, you know, if they have good manufacturing practices, those certifications, but if they're thinking about like the ingredients and they want to make sure that they choose somebody who, you know, is sourcing good ingredients, then they want to ask for those other certifications that you mentioned, right?
2: They can, uh, but again, that's where like companies like myself, we, we qualify our distributors and our manufacturers. So when I have, and I'm approached by manufacturers daily from around the world, and I have a certain list of questions that I will talk to them and I'll say, okay, well, first of all, I need your FDA registration number. Uh, I need any uh, type of ISO certificates that you have. I need your HACCP plans. I need any documentation that you have that shows me that you are following the guidelines and that uh, my clients are going to be receiving the highest quality product send them to me. So then I can analyze and see if if we are interested in distributing your product.
0: Are those people located in the U.S. though? Because aren't some of them located overseas, so then they wouldn't be FDA registered?
2: About 80% of our dietary supplement ingredients comes from China. So there is definitely cooperation between the United States and China, different governmental agencies to making sure that Everybody is following the correct guidelines so that nobody's health and safety is jeopardized from consuming these ingredients. So, yes, they are all the companies that I work with, uh, they are all FDA registered. And actually, they're, China has very strict policies. Uh, believe it or not, they are very strict and they're making sure that they are uh, attending to the needs that our United States government is requesting. Because this is a big industry and they don't want to disrupt that cash flow. So they want to make sure that everything is being followed accordingly so they can keep the cash flow going.
0: So these 80% of companies, does that mean that they have FDA folks going over there to check out their facilities or how does that work?
2: Well, there is, there is inspections. Yes. So um, a matter of fact, normally at the end of each year in China, around, uh, november december is when a lot of the factories will shut down and they start cleaning up and they get and they gear up uh, for their inspections to make sure that they're they're all clean they're running everything right and then they start the new year after chinese new year they start moving forward again so yes there is a cycle to it
0: but it's not fda it's another agency in in china no
2: they're, yeah these are these are all uh, cooperating governmental agencies that work with each other
0: oh okay got it got it interesting very very interesting Thank you. How do you handle supply
1: chains? Because obviously if ingredients are coming from all over the world, uh, especially in the recent years, we've had some really you know, large troubles in those areas. Do you have uh, backups or how do you make sure that all of your customers can get the right ingredients in the right times?
2: So I think one of the most uh, key factors of your question is, is having Uh, plenty of different suppliers, Mm. well-qualified suppliers. And for instance, like my company, I I probably work with, I would say in the realm of about uh, 60 or 70 different suppliers worldwide. And so this way, if I'm having a problem, like I had a, a client actually in your state in Florida, they requested a sample of an ingredient. So I sent it to them and they said, no, this doesn't work. So I reached out to another manufacturer and I said, uh, hey, I need some samples, send me some samples. I send the sample to them, no, that's not working. (laughs) Okay, we'll try this again. So I reached out to another manufacturer and uh, I just got some good news today. They just said, hey, yes, this is work, this will work. We'll take this, let's get this ordering going. So it's making sure that I'm not just dependent on one or two or even five or 10 different manufacturers. Uh, I make sure that I have a a plethora of manufacturers, so this way I can always make sure I'm able to supply you what you're looking for, if the color's not right, if the texture's not right, whatever it is, I, I, I have a big selection where I can find exactly what you're looking for.
0: That's great. And your company, that's what they mostly focus on is finding these ingredients from all these different places.
2: Correct. We have a warehouse. We have quite a bit of stuff already here. So so we keep a a good selection of ingredients here. But a lot of times we will get a a client who's looking for something and we just don't have it. I can't find it locally. I'll look around uh, because all of our mostly all of the distributors here, we all work together. If I don't have something, I'll get it from somebody else. And if somebody else needs something, they'll call me. So we kind of work together together. Um, but more so it's better to bring in the product directly and import the product directly yourself because this way you have more control on what's going on you know the paperwork trail you can follow the paper trail and make sure that everything is up to par
0: great and how does sustainability play a role in your business um this is you know this is such a hot topic now and i'm curious um how, yeah, how is that working in your business?
2: Most of the manufacturers, they, when they purchase, and I said most, because I can't say all, but I would say most of the manufacturers, uh, they are environmentally aware and they want to make sure because they know that uh, people are starting to really look at this industry with a microscope. And mm-hmm. so they want to make sure that they're able to stay in the loop. So they want to make sure that they're following the guidelines where they're not uh, creating, uh, or leaving, I should say, uh, the footprints and they're not doing something that's going to harm the environment.
0: I'm guessing that customers are more in- getting more interested in traceability and transparency. You mentioned transparency earlier. So knowing exactly where things are coming from and understanding what the impact, you know, what that impact is, is becoming increasingly important. So I'm guessing that your industry is also feeling that as well.
2: We do. A lot of the clients will ask. Uh, sometimes I have to have forms filled out where uh, it, it, it goes from seed to shelf. They need to know everything about it. And these are the uh, companies that um, more so aren't concerned about saving 25 cents uh, per kilogram on something. They're more concerned about making sure that they have a reputable company that they're working with uh, so that they know that the ingredients they're working with are reputable as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And are you seeing that happening increasingly, or has that always been something that's been important to certain customers?
2: I would say it's it it, it seems to be gradually rising. It's not a sharp increase, but it, there is a, a steady incline uh, that is leaning to clients wanting that information and wanting to know um, is has this been produced ethically. Uh, is, is, is this product going to harm uh, the atmosphere or, or are there ingredients, chemicals or anything being used that we should be aware of that we might not want to be using? You don't want to have a product out there that's that's not friendly, uh, that that they found out that uh, ethics were, were violated in the production of, of whatever it is they're taking. And when you're doing that, you want to make sure that you don't have that image or, or that shadow cast on your company because it, it can dramatically affect sales, especially if something goes viral because they somebody found out that you were using um, an ingredient in your product that was not uh, ethically sourced or ethically produced.
1: Are there specific ingredients that you're noticing are in really high demand right now?
2: Uh, one of the ingredients you'll hear a lot of this year is really going to start picking up is berberine and fisetin. Those two ingredients are really moving fast. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that they don't have the right product. Uh, even Now Foods just did a research on it, and they revealed their research and their study on the berberine, and they showed that a lot of these companies that are putting out the berberine, Uh, It's not living up to label claims. And so those two, but those two products, whenever you get a hot product, everybody just jumps on the bandwagon and thinks they're going to make $100 million. So they just start selling something. They just put the name on the label and it has a micro amount of the ingredient. And then you have, like I said, you have a lot of companies that are just trying to make a money off the name rather than selling you a viable product.
1: Oh. Tell us
0: about why people are interested in those products. I'm I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what are they doing? What is it that is attracting people to that, to those? So products? the
2: Berberine, if I'm correct, uh, the Berberine has a lot to do with weight loss. Uh, so, you know, that's a very strong industry in the dietary supplement industry, generates a lot of revenue. So anything, like I said, that generates a lot of revenue, you're going to have a whole lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. And it, it does work. There's a lot of studies out that shows the efficacy of it, but you just want to make sure that you're, you're buying from a reputable company because a reputable company is going to be buying and putting into its product reputable ingredients. Yeah. And then you have Fisitin, uh, which is uh, the new uh, hot as uh, anti-aging pill. And oh. anti-aging is also a very strong category in the dietary supplement, as was NMN, but it is no longer available as the FDA outruled it.
0: Did that just that happen? happened
2: last year. Um, I,
0: <clears throat> uh, oh. I can't
2: recall what, I think it was in the third quarter of last year that they ruled out I, NMN. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I know a friend of mine just bought some, so I guess there's still some out there somehow available. <laughs>
2: there's some stuff out there, yes, here or there. Um, but yeah, it, it did get shut down. And so the fisetin is, is the new uh, kid on the block and uh, it has a lot to do with anti-aging and shedding the body of, uh, of dead cells. Wow.
0: Do you have any insights into the pricing and cost considerations that entrepreneurs should be aware of when sourcing supplement ingredients?
2: Yeah, one of the challenges that I run into a lot is um, a company will say, well, hey, we can get it cheaper at this company. And if, if only our industry was more concerned about the quality than the price, I think our industry wouldn't have such a shadow over it. And it, it, it wouldn't have this uh, tainted image of that stuff doesn't work. Uh, And I think the reason why is because so many people are more concerned with what the label says rather than what the actual ingredient is of the product. So we have to make sure that when we're sourcing the ingredient, that yes, we want to be price conscious. This is 100% true. But we also want to make sure that we're not compromising ourselves for a dollar. And we want to make sure that we are servicing our customers with the best ingredient they can get. Because if you have good ingredients in your product, you're going to develop and build a platform to have a very successful company. However, if you want to sell a have a, a product line and you just want to put all these names on it, and there's micro amount of ingredients in there and they're not high quality ingredients, yeah, then somebody will pay, pay two dollars and ninety nine cents for it. But you're never going to have the reputation that, like I say, that I always lean to, like now in Solgar, uh, now I've been around since 1968, and Solgar since 1947. Uh, You can't stay that long and you don't have that type of staying power if uh, you're selling products that are not working and are not quality and are based only on price.
1: Absolutely. Are there some red flags that people should look out for when they're, you know, maybe interviewing different ingredient distributors? What are some red flags that they can know to like avoid that distributor?
2: one of the main things is uh, when somebody uh, is, is just trying to meet your price no matter what. Hmm. And there are a couple companies, uh, the competition is fierce. Once you start getting to a point where where the customer is, is, is grinding down that distributor to where they're practically working for free, you have to understand or ask yourself, what are they really selling and how are they able to sell it so cheap uh, and uh, so much uh, be able to undercut the price of the market is this really a good quality product that i'm buying uh at such a low price
1: mm-hmm. so like anything like you uh you get what you pay for
2: pretty much and and that's what i i tell a lot of people i i was uh, i have one of my clients and um uh, they purchase an herbal ingredient from me for many years. And, and then one of my competitors started uh, coming after me aggressively and cutting their price. So then they would cut their price and I would cut my price. And then they would cut their price and I would cut my price. And then one time the client uh, told me, he said, hey, man, uh, we can get this for eight bucks. I said, eight bucks? Hey, who's your, who's are you getting this from? I need to buy it, too. You know, a matter of fact, I'll give you a commission on my purchase that I purchased, you know, and and it was funny because I I said, hey, dude, come on, man. Uh, Come on. Eight bucks. Really? This this is not what you think it is. There has to be something wrong. And then when the client sent me the COA, I started tearing apart the COA and I showed him why you're getting it at such this uh, ridiculous low price. Like one of the reasons why was uh, the moisture content. And their moisture content was something like 11%. Uh, and my moisture content was like 3%. And I said, well, yeah, one of the reasons why they're 15% lower than me is because 8% of that is water. You know, So if you want some water, I got some gallons of water in the back I'll sell to you, okay? <laughs>
0: Wow. That's so interesting. That's what that means is that when there's the percentage of moisture, that means there's just extra added water. Is that
2: correct? And, and, and so what happens, and I'm very transparent with my clients and and I will teach them. I want them to learn for themselves, and I'll say, Hey, anything that I tell you, please research it. Okay. Uh, I'm in business to keep you for 20, 30 years, not 20 or 30 months or 20 or 30 weeks. So I, I teach them what I know. So then this way they can get an understanding when you're looking at the COA, know what to look for and understand that, you know, when you're buying a product that's at 11% moisture content and mine is 3%, you're basically, and they're 15% cheaper than me. Well, 8% of that 15% is water. So now yeah. you have to figure out where the other 7% is hiding. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game. It's, it's an algebraic expression that you have to figure out what X and Y equals.
0: What are other things that they should look at? The
2: bacteria count is very important. Heavy metals is very important.
0: And uh, what and percentages also- should they be looking at? Like what is good versus like what are you usually looking for for your? Well, I'm, I'm looking
2: at their specifications when I'm when I'm working with manufacturers. I'm going to look at their specification. What the COA says. And then I'm going to look at what, what their actual results are. And then I may take a, a sample and send it out to make sure that everything is, is, is measuring up to the COA. So it, it, it all varies. Um, but you have to, in order to follow uh, CGMP guidelines, the CGMP guidelines uh, will give you reference, and you'd have to research that to find out exactly what the CGMP guidelines are like on your plate count and on your heavy metal count in order to be able to qualify as a CGMP product.
0: Got it. So it is it gonna depend on what type of product it is as to like how much moisture count it should be, how much heavy metal, all of that it kind can. of stuff? Okay. Yes,
2: because certain herbs, uh, certain herbs are gonna have a higher moisture content. Uh, certain herbs are gonna have a higher uh, heavy metal content. Um, even like lettuce, people don't understand, you know, you have all these lead laws and all this stuff that's around, but people don't understand the amount of lead content and lettuce, um, wow. They wouldn't allow that lead content to be in a dietary supplement ingredient, but yet people consume lettuce and they could get it that way. So looking at the heavy metals, that does play a key role um the bacteria count plays a key role the yeast and molds play a key role and then one of the most obvious that a lot of times people overlook is is the is how long and how old is the product is that you're buying was it just manufactured or was it manufactured uh 22 months ago and it's expiring in two months and And, that's why you're getting it so cheap because it's expiring in two months
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So it's very important to really look through that C of A and really understand it.
2: You want to tear the COA apart because the COA yeah. is basically telling you the story that's behind the product you're buying. And once you have read the book and you you, you see the story, now you have to take uh you have to take that that sample of that ingredient and send it off to the laboratory and make sure that the, the the story that the CoA is telling you is the same story that the actual product is telling you.
0: Wow, and do you do that with like distributors or sorry ingredient uh, companies that you've worked with for a long time or is this more for newer partnerships?
2: No uh, uh, every once in a while we do random uh, we, we will randomly check the product and then sell it. But then also uh, it is the responsibility of the client who is manufacturing that product. It is ultimately their responsibility to make sure that uh, the product that I have sold them is what I am claiming it to be. According to CGMP guidelines, you must, a manufacturer must uh, make sure that uh, at least do an assay test, a heavy metal test. And a bacteria count on it because you don't want to sell something. You don't want to take something. The COA says it has a, a 1,000 CFU, and it turns out that in actuality, after testing, it has a 90,000 CFU on the bacteria, and you're selling it because that that can cause a uh, you know that can cause problems in the health of people. So that's why it's it's all part of the procedure, especially in HACCP where we we're going to check it we don't check every single product but we do randomly select a product and we'll check it to make sure it lives up to what it's supposed to but then also ultimately the manufacturer's responsibility it is it is a rule i don't think it is a law in cgmp i think it would be considered a rule but they are uh supposed to check that product to make sure so in other words if i sell you salt and my COA claims that it's um, 98% fatty acids, and you're putting that 98% fatty acid label claim, you better make sure that you have the documentation that backs up that it's a 98% fatty acid. Don't say, hey, well, we got this from a distributor and they said that that it would be great. So we just went with what they said. That's not how it works. And you would ultimately be held responsible because you sold something without testing it to make sure it is what it is before making label claims or making sure that there's not too much bacteria or too much heavy metal content that could uh, disrupt a
1: person's health. And for a clarification, in case somebody doesn't know, COA refers to the certificate of authenticity, right?
2: No, it's a certificate of analysis.
1: Oh, analysis. Ah, see, so yeah, I didn't even know. Okay, very, very interesting. Awesome. Yeah, so,
2: so certificate I of analysis, know. basically, uh, I, if, to put it in a, in a certain way, it's like if you're going to buy a car, a certificate of analysis is pretty much kind of like a Carfax, mm. where you're, you're going to get all the information, uh, you know, you're going to have the country of origin, you're going to have the Latin name or the botanical name of the herb. You're gonna have uh, when it was manufactured when it it's it's going to expire or need to be retested when the material uh, will basically be um, looked at as what is the heavy metal content or what is the bacteria content uh, what is the ash content the water content you want to look at all these things so the car facts basically tells the story of the history of the car and Pretty much the COA, the Certificate of Analysis, will basically tell you the story that uh, they're selling this herb that is created. And ultimately, it is your responsibility to verify that story by sending the product out to be laboratory tested, third-party laboratory tested, not somebody who's working out of their mother's basement and and, 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 and thinks that they know what they're doing. No, you, you want to third-party test it. And then you want, because this way you're making sure that you have followed all the rules to make sure you're not gonna have any problem with any type of uh, governmental agencies that overlooks this uh, supplement industry.
0: What would you say is the biggest pitfall that you see most often with new businesses, people that are just starting out?
2: A lot of companies, uh, they will make sure, oh, I want the best, best ingredients. I want the best ingredients. I need to make sure it's all the best. Okay, that's great. So that's gonna cost you a little extra money. Uh, Is that gonna take away from your budgeting uh, for your marketing and promotion? Because if so, maybe you might wanna consider creating something else and using a a, a little bit less of uh, uh, these branded ingredients or name ingredients or trademark ingredients. So you have a a reserve for your uh, marketing and your promotional budget.
1: And what question do you get asked the most by your clients? Uh,
2: I think one of the main questions that comes to me is, can you get this? <laughs> can you get? Can you get this ingredient? You know, uh, and it's so interesting because Blue Star kind of has the reputation of if you can't find it, go to Blue Star,
0: mm. and
2: and and that it favors me sometimes. But then sometimes it doesn't because I get a a lot of new people that call me up and they're looking for something that I have never even heard of. I'm like, wow, what is that? Where does, what planet does that come from? You know? Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah, so that's
2: that's one of the main challenges is I, I get a lot of new clients and that's how I retain and sustain my business, because I will do that research for you. I will find what you're looking for, and I will find exactly your specifications. And then when you see that, you say, hey, wow, I need to stick with this company. They 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 found what I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. So that that's what helps me. So I think the first and foremost question is, can you find this, or do you have this, or do you know where I can get it from? That's what's most important, is the service to the client. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't have that, sorry. Well, if you call me up and you want a product, I'll find it for you, and and this is the way I retain and sustain my business.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to share that we might have missed that would be helpful for uh, new folks out there?
2: I think the main thing that that uh, any client should be concerned with, rather if they're a new company or if they're a company that's been around for a long time and you're a new purchaser at a new place is is don't really put so much emphasis on the price and how much it costs. Rather put the emphasis on the documentation and rather put the emphasis on the quality of the ingredient and how old is the ingredient. And, and that's so important because if you're putting too much emphasis on the price of your ingredient, you're not selling a quality ingredient a quality product and somebody else who, who's not as concerned as you are with the price, but they're more concerned with servicing their clients with the best possible product that they can you're going to lose business so you want to find that that medium that medium balance you want to find where okay the price is okay and the quality is is a little bit better than okay i i think this is good don't lopsided where oh wow that's a great price yeah the quality isn't great but that that price is great we can make extra revenue because you're gonna hurt yourself and you're gonna stab yourself in the foot and 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 that's not what you wanna do. You wanna make sure that you, yes, you are paying attention to your your pricing, but yet you wanna make sure that you're making sure your customers are getting the highest quality product at the best affordable price.
0: Yeah, I think those those are really good points. I mean, if you wanna have longevity for your brand and you wanna be around for a while and continue to grow, Um, you have to be delivering a good quality product that people feel like they're getting results from.
2: And it's not only the quality of the product and the price, but uh, customer service, good prices, and good quality. And if you can get a good balance between all of those, you're Mm -hmm. going to be able to stay in business and you're going to be able to thrive.
0: Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on our podcast today, Rob. Um, Thank you so
2: much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, that... Concludes our episode. Um, we'll see you on the next episode of Entrepreneur Mind Speak. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.